Hey, I'm James. Welcome to a safish space to listen to some scary stories. From true crime to urban legends and whatever comes between, let's take this time to dive into something dark and see what twists and turns these stories have for us. I would like to welcome you to the I Know What You Did Last podcast. After you. Welcome to the very first episode of the I Know What You Did Last podcast. The goal for the podcast is going to be to create a space where you can let your imagination take the driver's seat for a little while. Tonight, we're going to take a few minutes to hang out. We're going to turn off the day-to-day, and let's take a trip to Oslo, Norway in 2011. You may have heard about this case before, and we're going to be hearing about one very dark day in particular for Norway. Please know that there is a history of mental health and abuse that took place, and I'm going to leave my personal recommendations on where to hear all of the full details of the case. Those will be down in the description. Quick content warning, tonight's story does include violence and mass murder. So without further ado, grab your snacks, get comfy, pull your feet up off the edge of the bed, and let's get into it. So, let's imagine it's, you know, a really gray, rainy, kind of gloomy and overcast day. Uh, And this day is actually going to be taking place in Norway on July 22nd, 2011. We're going to talk about an early 30s man. Uh, His name is Anders Breivik. He owned a company, and that company was established to cultivate vegetables. Well, on this gray, rainy, overcast day, Anders would spend it committing a really horrific act that he had actually planned for years. Anders stood about six feet tall, he had lighter features, and he was described as neighbors as someone who wore fancy shirts, but he wasn't a farmer. Well, that's because secretly, Anders had spent quite a few years using this business as a means to legally purchase supplies that he might have needed to create explosives without being flagged or put on any watch list. He would actually go on to purchase over 12 tons of various chemicals that he would then use to create a bomb that unfortunately would devastate a busy city core. Once Anders had created this bomb, it weighed in at almost over 2,000 pounds, and he would load that bomb into a Volkswagen van. He drove this van to the office of the Prime Minister and the Ministry of Justice and Police in Oslo, and he would park the van on the street outside. The area that this was, it housed a ton of government buildings and it was a pretty busy sector. And he would park that van there at 3.16 p.m. About 32 seconds later, it was recorded on a camera that Anders steps out of the van and he's dressed head to toe in imitation police gear. He has a helmet with a face shield on, a gun in his hand, 
and he spends just a few seconds standing there before he actually heads to a car that he had previously parked in that area. Now, between 3.17pm and 3.26pm, the bomb has exploded. At 3.26pm is when the police first hear about this explosion. The bomb had set buildings on fire, and the shockwaves from that bomb blew out the windows on all of the floors of these towers, and it ended up littering glass and debris all over the streets in that core. The smoke that ended up being produced from the bomb, it filled the streets up with a white, billowing cloud, and it caused even more panic and chaos for anyone trying to get out of that area. The blast from Anders' bomb, it did kill 8 people, and it injured 209 others. Unfortunately, however, that was really only part one of a two-part attack that Anders would commit on that day. Following the explosion and then going to his car, he would then drive himself to a ferry and he presented himself as Martin Nilsson from the Oslo police. About an hour and a half after that explosion, he would board the ferry and that ferry was headed to an island named Utoya Island. It was about 32 kilometers northwest of Oslo, and it served as the location for the Norwegian Labour Party's youth camp. It was attended by approximately 600 teenagers. Anders would ride that ferry, he would get to Utoya Island, and the weather was still as rainy overcast and dreary as it was earlier. Upon his arrival and introduction to the camp leader, whose name was Monica, he indicated that he was there for a simple follow-up and a routine check because of the nearby explosion in Oslo. However, it is believed that at that time, the camp leader became suspicious and she alerted her security officer. At 5.22 p.m., the first of many shots would occur on Utoya Island. Anders was a thought ahead in this moment and was able to notice that Monica and her security were suspicious of him and he did unfortunately choose to execute both of them before they could attempt any measures. Anders would then use his police disguise to gain the trust and security of the remaining people on the island. He wandered around for a while and he would signal everyone to come and follow him. Once he felt as if he had the majority of the people's attention, he gathered them in a crowd all around him, and then he armed his weapon and began firing. And this firing would kill and wound numerous people. Anders would then spend another hour terrorizing the Atoya Island and any people who were trying to escape. People who survived the initial shooting attempted to swim back to the mainland. They would jump out the windows, they would jump off the ledge, However, Anders realized this fairly quickly, and he did shoot at many of them, wounding most and killing some. Luckily, because the island wasn't too far from the mainland, nearby residents were able to hear the shots, and some did begin rescue efforts, and overall, by the end of this, over 150 people were pulled to safety by the residents. Some of the victims, who were more familiar with the island, 
were able to relocate to an area on the western side that had caves that you could only access from being in the water. And they were able to successfully hide in there as well as bring others with them. While all of this was going on and people were trying to swim back to the mainland, some survivors were seeking refuge under the lavatories, the bushes, the overgrowth, and they would go on to text each other and their family members for help. Another close to 50 survivors were actually hiding in the locked schoolhouse. Anders did attempt to get in there and fired several bullets through the locked doors, but he couldn't actually get the locked door open. And luckily, everyone in there did survive. Some of the survivors pretended to be dead, but Anders unfortunately would return and shoot those victims multiple times to ensure that they were in fact gone. Anders would willingly spare two lives that day, one of which would be an 11-year-old boy who was the son of the security officer that Anders executed earlier. The boy was brave and he did not cower and he stood up to Anders, claiming he was too young to die. The other survivor that Anders spared was a 22-year-old male who begged to be spared. At 6.01pm, Anders decides to dial the emergency number to surrender. Once the police pick up, he then hangs up and continued his killing spree. At 6.26pm, he calls again, but again he immediately hangs up. At this time, however, police are beginning to arrive to the island. As they're arriving, they are finding survivors that are left in the surrounding waters and the bushes and they're beginning to panic because they are left to assume that they're coming to hurt them just like the other one was. Police would then converge on Otoya Island and quickly find Anders. They command him that he surrender or be shot, at which point he immediately lays down his weapons. This would actually mark the official end of terror from Anders Breivik. Total on Utoya Island, he killed 69 people, and of the remaining 577 survivors, 66 were wounded. Anders' trial would start months later in the year of 2012, and then conclude officially on June 22, 2012. His conviction came on August 24th, and he was sentenced to 21 years of prison, which is the maximum sentence allowed in Norway. And that, guys, is going to be the story of what Anders Breivik did last. He terrorized Norway and hundreds of families, and that's the story of what's commonly referred to in Norway as 22 July. I was pretty curious about how he was able to plan, possess, all of this stuff. Uh, it really opened a door to a very dark past for Anders, and that may help explain, not justify, but explain why he committed such a horrifying, disgusting mass murder. I'm not gonna get into the really deep, dark, and heavy stuff of his childhood, but he was born in 1979, and his mother hated her unborn baby. So much so that she would refer to him as a nasty child, and that when he breastfed, he was quote-unquote sucking the life out of her. His parents divorced when he was a year old, and there were concerns raised about his treatment, and over the course of many years, he would endure a pretty rough upbringing, and that's the details that are worth the research if you are interested in it. I will give you a heads up, it is pretty thorough and it is pretty dark. Into his teens, he became pretty rebellious. He got into steroids, graffiti, and he cared a lot more about his appearance. 
He grew further away from his parents, and that was due to their support of the Norwegian Labour Party. He claims he started his plans in 2002 at the age of 23, and he did open that farm at the age of 29 in 2009. The weapons that he used were all legally obtained, and that's part of the reason that his plans did span across a couple of years. He did try to illegally obtain some weapons in Prague, and he was unsuccessful, so he had to take courses and get licenses so that he could own all of the firearms and the ammunition that he used that day. We do see it all the time, but it's never less surprising to me, and that every aspect of this attack, from the bomb to the guns, were all legally obtained items. He was flagged once for his chemical purchases at the farm, however he was not pursued due to the likelihood of it actually being for what it was intended to be for. The bomb explosion is a terrifying event. Personally, the police impersonation is a whole other level of freaky for me. I can remember a CSI episode where a guy would dress up in a firefighter uniform, place a smoke bomb outside the apartment door, and then knock. Like, I can't imagine that is the most terrifyingly smart tactic, and I hate it. It's exactly what Anders did. Imagine hearing shots, and then all of a sudden, you're like, thank fuck, there is a policeman, let me follow him, let me do what he says. And then, yeah, it's just so sad, it's so scary, it's so awful. I'm finding myself super shocked that he can only be sentenced for 21 years, understanding, you know, that it is the maximum penalty. I just can't believe that he could be free in his mid-50s. Killing a total of 77 people and injuring over 300, that would get you multiple life sentences where I'm from. Though it's hard for me to imagine a world where there is a law that could possibly allow that. However, Norway is quite big into rehabilitation of their prisoners, and so they don't treat it as much as a punishment, as much as an opportunity to change. So I guess that's where the lower sentences come into play. Norwegian law does allow a review at the end of a sentence, allowing the board to deny release for up to five years. And they can do that as many times as they deem fit. So it is possible that he will spend the rest of his life in prison, which Norwegian locals believe and hope to be what will happen. I hope this episode served as a doorway for you, either as a reminder of this true crime case, or if you haven't heard of it before, you can go and listen to those personal recommendations in the description for full case details. Follow the podcast on Instagram to be a part of episode polls, leave a comment about the episode, and any thoughts you have about the case. We'll be back with an urban legend story next time, and I trust you can see yourself out, right? Thanks for listening, and until next time... 